0: On this episode of the Nesson Celtics podcast, we take a look at how the Celtics remain atop the Eastern Conference despite an ongoing COVID situation. Why Dakota's done with Marcus Smart? Plus, is it time to say time's up to the Time Lord? Welcome back to the Nessun Celtics podcast. I'm your host, Alex Francisco, here with my co-workers, Dakota Randall and Adam London. And definitely a lot to get into today. Uh, first, we're going to start off and I'm going to ask you boys how you're doing.
1: Um, I think I might be doing better than a handful of the Celtics right now, which is obviously not good for them. But yeah, we'll get more into that lately. Celtics got a little COVID bug going on right now. So not great. Things have been better.
2: Yeah, Celtics redefining the uh, the phrase, uh, someone going around the locker room.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, oh. I know. They had that reputation for so long as the hospital Celtics. And, I mean, going into a COVID, a COVID season, I mean, you knew that they were going to hit get hit hard because it's the hospital Celtic way. But uh, plenty of time to get into that. Let's do a quick recap of the week. Um, only two games to talk about, but the Celtics go 2-0. On top of the Eastern Conference standings, some way, somehow. Uh, Guys, what are our positives from the week? Uh, Adam, you first.
1: Uh, Like you said, only two games, so kind of slim pickings for positives. But uh, mine was just Jalen Brown's rebounding uh, heading into these last two games. Kind of surprising. He was only only averaging like four and a half rebounds per game. Uh, He pulled down 12 against the Heat, 13 against the Wizards. You know that Wizards performance was particularly necessary just because they were out Robert Williams Grant Williams and Tristan Thompson so you know the fact that he paid more attention to the glass was huge for the Celtics.
2: Um, Yeah for me positive I think uh, Peyton Pritchard just continues to be a a serviceable more than serviceable point guard for the Celtics and uh, that's been huge for them and uh, you you know he didn't have uh, the game like he had against the Raptors when he put up 23 points Uh, But I thought he continued to play well and uh, show that he deserves plenty of minutes on this team going forward.
0: Yeah, and I mean, we saw in that Wizards game, a lot of guys getting minutes. One of my positives was the fact that Taco Fall went out there and wasn't a complete liability. I mean, that block on Westbrook was so fun. And then also, I think this kind of got lost in the shuffle of those those enormous injury reports. But Kemba Walker is cleared to practice again with the team. So I know they can't wait to have him back as we're seeing.
2: Yeah, that is. Yeah, that did kind of slip through the cracks this week, but that is a big deal. No doubt about it.
0: And the negatives Dak. Uh,
2: Yeah, I'll start my negative. uh, I'm almost completely done on Marcus Smart. Uh, I get that the players on the, on the Celtics will say he's the heart and soul of the team. I get it. I get why everyone loves Marcus Smart. Uh, I normally enjoy Watching him play for many of those same reasons. He plays hard, he plays great defense, he makes all these sort of crazy intangible plays that don't show up on the stat sheet. But I'm starting to think that they can they they can be just fine without him. And that in some ways he's a detriment. I mean, I think I think the way he played at the end of that Wizards game the other night was an absolute disgrace. I mean, he was flopping all over the place, horrible shot selection when they needed to just settle down and get a a bucket just really wild plays, just completely out of control. And then when he would commit him, he would yell at his teammates. And again, maybe his teammates see that kind of stuff and go, it's not a big deal. He's he's the heart and soul of the team. Like we love Marcus Smart, but I watch it and I'm like, I'm kind of over it. Uh, I, 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 I just, it, it, I don't enjoy watching it. And uh, for me, the, the instances of that, of that kind of thing from Marcus Smart cropping up, I uh, have become more frequent. As his role has increased last season in the playoffs in the bubble with Kemba Walker out, he took on more of a prominent role with the team. And he's had it this year at the start of the season. And I think the longer Marcus Smart is on the floor, you see a lot of the negatives with him. And to me, it's just gotten me to the point where I think he might be expendable. And uh, I just, it's it's ugly. Some of the stuff he did in the heat game and especially the Wizards game uh, were really bad. And I was not a fan of it.
0: So just to make sure we're clear here, all defensive NBA, First teamer, Marcus Smart, indispensable, or dispensable rather.
2: I'm close. I'm close. <laughs> I'm close. If you can get something for him, would you? You know, it, it all depends on what you get. I'm not saying you just throw him on the street, uh, but you either have to curtail him, rein him in, and say cut the crap because you're playing like an idiot sometimes, or see what you can get. I mean, he was floated around in trade talks this off season. Um, you could get something for him. It, it all depends on what you get. I don't. I'm not saying trade him for. I don't even know. I'm not going to start throwing around names, but I'm not saying give them away, but explore it. You know, I think the leadership of this team is Jalen Brown. I think everyone loves to say Marcus Smart is the heart and soul, but I think that's becoming more and more Jason Brown or J- yeah J- Jalen Brown and really the Tatum with the tandem with Jason Tatum, where I don't, if Marcus Smart is your spiritual leader, fine, but, I no longer think he leads by example the way he plays in the court. He plays erratic, out of control. The flopping is a disgrace. And I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm kind of over it. So that's where I'm at.
0: <laughs> Adam, where are you at?
1: Mine is that Jason Tatum is dispensable. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, mine is just the fact that they led the Wizards back in the game. They were winning by as many as 28 points in the third quarter. And the Wizards cut it down to four, half way through the fourth and that's a team that's playing some of the worst basketball in this season so far you got to step on their throat when you can you know let the starters get some rest some of the you know more younger and experienced guys play so that shouldn't have been a game where you're like fighting in the fourth to finish it out
0: yeah and I mean it's just an issue that you've been seeing going back even before the bubble with them right just like they're not able to close out and it was weird
1: because usually you see the third quarters where the celtics kind of let the wheels fall off but it was the fourth which might obviously is even worse you could argue so
2: yeah not a good sign. i do think Kemba walker coming back will make a big difference in that regard not to state the obvious but i think in a lot of these situations at the end of games tatum gets trapped and he kind of struggles against that he commits a lot of turnovers gets late in the shot clock and they put up some ugly, some ugly shots when that happens. And I think maybe Kemba Walker having a, a real sort of traditional point guard lead the way will settle some of that stuff down. But like you said, they've been blowing leads for two years now. So maybe it's just in their DNA.
0: So my my biggest negative is that I was really looking forward to seeing just out of the novelty of it, a lot of time from this like rotation of smart Jeff Teague, Pritchard. Carson Edwards, Tremont Waters, Naismith, Daniel Tice, and Taco Fall. And it's starting to look like I'm just not going to get that because all these games keep getting postponed. And before we know it, all these guys are going to be out of COVID protocol. So um, really hurting my soul there.
1: Yeah, I mean, just seeing Edwards and Waters on the court potentially at the same time as Taco, seeing as like their combined height is basically Taco's height would have just been a ridiculous image to see.
0: Also, we just so many of these guys, we still really don't know what we have there. And this extended playing time, no matter how horrible it would have ended up. I mean, it's got to be positive, right? Just to see what they are.
1: Right.
2: Right.
0: All right. uh, So now time for my favorite segment. Let's yell about something sponsored by the memory of Tommy Heinsohn, Dakota. What's uh, got you all riled up this week?
2: Well, it also, it also will tie into Marcus Smart, but I'll get there in a second. Uh, it uh, The NBA's last two minutes report is so stupid and so useless. I mean, I don't know if you saw the one that they came out with uh, for the Celtics heat game the other night. First of all, if you ever go to the NBA's website and look at the last two minute report, it's really hard to figure out what the hell's going on in it. It's just a complete dump of every play. The graph the way the chart is laid out is stupid. But anyway, they basically said that the refs blew like five calls at the end of that game against the Heat and everyone sort of goes, "Well, this is great, the transparency." But it's just completely useless because they do nothing about it. There's no action taken. It's not like the refs get in any sort of trouble. Nothing changes. So they just put this out and every and all the fans on NBA go, "Oh, well, see so the Celtics didn't really blow a 10 point lead, the refs screwed them. And it just leads to stupid conversations surrounding the games and nothing changes because of it. It's just a complete waste of time. And, but within that two minute report from the Celtics heat game, uh, one of the things they said was Marcus Martin at the end of the game, when he drove to the basket, did get fouled. As you remember Peyton Pritchard, uh, put it back in for the game winning shot. But on that play, more importantly, When Marcus Smart, who did see the ball go in, who did see that Peyton Pritchard scored, his initial reaction was to get up and scream at the ref as loud as he could. I can't repeat it on here because he used a a four-letter word. But rather than being happy for Peyton Pritchard or celebrating that the Celtics took the lead with .2 seconds left or whatever it was, his first reaction was to get up and yell in the ref's face. And he's lucky he didn't get teed up. And if he had gotten teed up, we could have gone into overtime. And they could have ultimately wound up losing that game. And it was just an instance where Marcus Smart was out of control, did the stupid thing in a crucial moment, and it almost cost his team. It probably should have, because he should have gotten teed up, uh, but he's lucky that he that he wasn't. But overall, point last minute report sucks and it needs to go away.
0: Yeah, but it keeps the game relevant. The next day, we're we're still talking about it, right? It's <laughs> that's kind I of good. I don't need for the NBA. last minute
2: report for that.
0: <laughs> Adam, how about you?
1: Um, I'm just kind of growing thin with my patience for Time Lord. I mean, you knew there was like a good chance that every team was going to deal with some level of a COVID issue going into this season. And obviously the Celtics are one of the teams got hit hard first. And just obviously Robert Williams is the first one to get it. Like I was talking to Dak before we started recording, like, I think if you ask just Celtics fans or anyone who pays attention to the Celtics, like pick a player who you think is going to be the first on the team to get COVID. I think a lot of people would have guessed Robert Williams and, you know, you can get into the logistics of how much the player is to blame. We don't want to, you know, assume too much what he's doing off the court. But like at this point, it's just like, I don't even know if this guy can be a consistent, even useful NBA player. I mean, he's had flashes. We've talked about that the past few episodes, but it's just, it's too much flash in a pan for me. I think it's at some point, you know, you might have to consider if it's even worth hanging on to him after this season.
2: So now Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, and Jason Tatum are all expendable. I like it. Blow up the Celtics. <laughs> 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 Time for the best record in the NBA. Let's blow it up.
0: <laughs> all right. So my gripe, is like really with fake crowd noise being pumped in. I haven't been at the garden to experience a game yet, but those people I've talked to have just said like how annoying it is to begin with. And really like, what is the purpose of it? I mean, how much would the broadcast really suffer without that? And it's like, you keep seeing the NBA getting mad at coaches for like pulling their masks down. And it's like, they're just trying to communicate with each other. They can't hear each other over this crowd noise being pumped in so it's just like i'm all for having it be silent like maybe play some music these guys will actually be able to hear each other and more importantly like i just want this broadcast to be picking up the trash talk and i think a lot of people would love that
2: i'm with you yep good take i agree with everything you said
1: and i was gonna say to the trash talk point i think if we were allowed to that might reverse Dakota's stance on Marcus Smart because I imagine Smart's trash talk would be electric. if we could oh, He'd be though.
2: so easy to talk trash back to though. I mean, yeah, he'd be able to say, well, you know, I picked your pocket or I, I made this great defensive play on you. But like, be like, dude, you went like one for 14 the other night. Shut up.
1: <laughs> I've noticed that Smart's been doing and I don't know if this is just being more of a veteran player. I feel like a lot of his trash talk is just like stern talkings to like, he'll get in a player's space, but, like, confront them as if it's, like, he's their son who's, like, done something wrong. You know, it's not just, like, schoolyard stuff. It's just, like, this is what you did wrong. I didn't like that. And now I'm going to go, like, off on my own way.
2: Yeah. No, true. It's more confrontational, like. Like, don't try that again. What do you think you're doing? Do something about it. That type of stuff. It's not like creative, good trash talk, like your mama stuff or, you
0: know. <laughs> or like Kawhi Leonard's trash talk of just board man gets paid.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> type himself of himself a
0: walking bucket.
2: Yeah. I'd be like, dude, Mark, sh- you know, shut up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it makes you wish that KG was still around or like, even if like Marcus Morris were still on the Celtics and to hear his trash talk would just, it would be a spectacle.
2: Yeah. Agreed.
0: All right, well, I guess that brings us into all the COVID stuff that we really have to discuss. This is now three games that have been postponed in a row. I mean, Friday's game, really, who knows if that's going to be played either. But um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Is this kind of like a blessing in disguise? I mean, if that heat game hadn't been postponed the other day, they're really rolling out a lineup that just – has no chance so I mean is this a good thing to kind of like all these games are getting postponed to allow the Celtics to kind of just get healthy the virus is ripping through the locker room early and not say down the road when the playoffs are going to be impacted or
2: yeah uh, it could be it it could end up being a good thing and it is important to know that I think that heat game they actually ended up having it postponed because the heat weren't going to make the roster requirement which is interesting um Celtics would have had like eight players but uh, regardless, it could be a blessing in disguise in that, you know, right now you're on top of the Eastern Conference, you're seven and three. Then the the record's not going to get any worse as you're postponing games and it kind of gives us more time for Kemba Walker to maybe get back into the lineup. Uh some other guys with nagging injuries, but it was early, you know, it's early in the season and you kind of want them to find their chemistry. Um, so it's it's kind of hard to say. I think we won't really be able to answer that. Uh a little bit further down the road but I think it's it's possible that it could be a good thing and and also what you said you'd rather have it happen now than at a crucial time later in the season like in the playoffs or something
1: no I agree with Dakota I mean obviously any time you can get some rest especially with the you know short turnaround of this season it's nice but I mean these core guys are young guys you know they're 22 23 years old I'm not really worried about their legs so the fact that they were like kind of starting to find a groove um, and now they're being put out a halt where it's not even just not playing games, they're not even, you know, practicing or they're not even getting together as a team. So obviously the big perk with the rest is that you're limiting the amount of number of games that you're without Kemba. Um, and then, you know, yeah, some of those guys would have a chance to play end of the bench guys, but I think putting a halt on game action as they were finally starting to roll is, you know, probably not good.
0: What do you guys think of the criticism kind of of the players that I, I don't know if you guys have seen any of this, but just that they aren't really taking it, these protocols too seriously. I mean, I know you can probably criticize a, gay, a guy like James Harden for that, for his breaking of the protocols. But I mean, it's not like we're seeing Tatum and Robert Williams, like running out on the town and these viral videos popping up of them out partying without masks. I mean, do you guys give any of that credence?
2: I don't really criticize the players for much of it. I don't really criticize the NBA uh, for their protocols or lack thereof. I think at some level, and we saw it in every single sports league that's popped up, whether it be college, professional, the season starts, players have COVID, and it kind of gets around. There's this big scare. Everybody gets really worried about it, and justifiably so. It's a serious topic, but it normally settles down. People sort of get, get things under control, and we move on with it. I think there's just a lot of alarmism right now. And as far as criticism for the players, I think listen if you're going to play sports and you're not going to play in a bubble, this is just what happens. I think everybody gets all worried about masks or whether you're hugging or how far apart you are on the bench even though you're rubbing against each other on the court. If you're playing a, a, a sport where you're traveling around the country and playing a relatively speaking contact sport in the middle of the pandemic, it's just going to happen. Guys get the flu. I'm not comparing COVID to the flu, but I'm saying guys get sick. It could happen. It doesn't mean, you know, they're not staying locked down in their apartments or their homes all the time. So there's variables introduced, they could get sick. And then once it's in there, we know it's highly transmissible and it can happen. I just think it's one of those things where if you want the sport to happen, you got to understand that this is probably going to happen at some point. And you just hope that when it does, everybody learns from it and they buckle down by midseason, and we're good to go. That's, that's my take on it.
1: Yeah. I I know I just bagged on Williams for getting it. That had more to do with just like, it just felt ironic to me that it was, you know, someone that we, you know, get on for a lack of consistency was the first one to get it. Um, yeah, I mean, we can't I do, agree I
2: do. Sorry, I do agree with your Robert Williams take, though. Yeah. So uh, when you look I at and you're like, in James, would, like those situations, James Harden deserves criticism. Absolutely. For what he did, because he almost deliberately violated protocols. Uh, to, to stick it to the Rockets, which is just unfathomably stupid. But Yeah, I, I just
1: want to clear that I wasn't insinuating that, you know, Robert Williams was just, you know, going around town doing God knows what. I just thought it was, you know, kind of ironic he got it. But, yeah, especially, you know, in Boston, obviously, we're not doing very well, you know, as far as the cases go. And I think teams knew that going into the season, that it was an extremely likely chance that, you know, one or multiple players would get this thing. And I think now, you know, it's just being smart moving forward, you know, hopefully, you know, Tatum and all these close contacts can get through their quarantines without, you know, a serious outbreak. But yeah, I, I agree with Dakota. Just, I mean, we've seen how, you know, potent this thing can be and, you know, it's, there's really no rhyme or reason, you know, sometimes for how you can catch it. It can be, you know, a pretty just off chance, you know, type thing. So, I, I don't think the players, unless it's a James Harden situation, you know, too much uh, blame can be put on their plate.
2: Yeah. I think everybody, when they hear that somebody got it, they're like, Oh, well, geez, they must've been at a maskless party somewhere with a bunch of people who weren't taking this thing seriously. And maybe that was the case. It looks like maybe that was the case with Kyrie Irving. We don't know yet, but I just think you don't know. And this thing can happen and you can, you can get it in any number of ways. I think what is by far the single most important thing is just the the players need to make sure that they're not going out in the community and putting themselves in situations where they can spread it to other people and that it can get to people who are more at risk because listen, we know the athletes, we know the numbers, they're not at risk as as at risk of getting seriously sick as other people. So cases on teams, games getting postponed, all this type of stuff to me is secondary to as long as they're not going out into the community and, and putting themselves in spots where they can further propagate the pandemic and get, you know, people that are very vulnerable, sick, then the rest kind of sorts itself out. But we I don't know, maybe they are going out and doing those kind of things and that's why they're getting it. So it is, it's kind of a weird situation.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, now we're at a place where, like you mentioned, it was, it was the heat not being able to meet roster requirements. That's why the Celtics team got postponed. But I mean, we're seeing this with the Magic, the Mavericks, I mean, the Sixers have had issues. There's a lot of teams that haven't been able to meet roster requirements during this very, what is it like the last week and a half of time? So, I mean, how do you guys feel about just like shutting down the season, maybe like a two week pause, two week hiatus and just seeing where we go from there.
2: Yeah, no, no way. I think you, again, and it kind of goes back to my, my original point where if you, if this is going to, if you're going to play the sport, you got to understand that this is going to happen. I think the, uh, the NBA, um, only announcing a portion of its schedule is them acknowledging that I think they, they wanted to make sure, Oh, a few postponed Celtics games at the beginning of the year, isn't going to make us have to scramble and figure things out later on. I think that was a smart move. And I think, you know, they should just, you know, they got to sort of find a way to maybe make taxi squads like the other sports have done where if you need a couple of players, you call over to Maine or whatever and bring them up and you figure it out. Um, But I think every other league thus far has been able to figure out how to navigate this. Uh, The NBA is different in some respects, but, They should be all right. Just got to button it up and obviously tighten the protocols and maybe figure out what to do with the rosters. But I think there's no reason to shut it down uh, for two weeks. I think that's a non-starter.
1: Yeah, this could have easily filed under my yell about something. I think we've reached a point now just in sports that you can let something like some unfavorable news pass COVID-related without going on Twitter and yelling cancel the season every time something happens. That's not to minimize the pandemic or anything. It's just that we've had now two documented cases of leagues getting through seasons mid pandemic without, you know, you know, shutting things down for, you know, long amount of time. So I agree with Dak. It's just about buttoning it up. Um, The one issue I kind of have with, I don't know if you guys saw, there's these, the leagues mandating these, you know, new policies about trying to, um, you know, slow the you know, minimize cases, or whatever, and it almost just seems like they're just doing it for the sake of doing it. There's like, right. like you can't embrace with a player after the game when they're minimizing stuff, and it's like, all right, yeah, I guess, but they're just guarded each other for 48 minutes, you know. So why? I'm not saying it's you know dumb to min- like you know, limit contact. It's also like, how much is that going to do? You know, it also doesn't
2: make any sense because okay, so if the whole point is to not if you're like, well, okay, we're good as long as the players don't spread it to each other after the game, well, then why are we postponing games when you only have one or two players testing positive? Because these games are getting postponed because of contact tracing and everyone going into protocols because they were in close contact with Tatum or Robert Williams. So you don't even need to test positive for the game to get postponed. So then what's the point of telling guys that they can't? I just, I, I don't know. They got to sort of clearly identify what their top priority is. And they also got to figure out if, all it's going to take is one player testing positive and then them looking at it and going well since one guy in a small locker room had it the whole team could have it so we got to postpone games that's not tenable so they got to figure out if they're going to do the nfl policy where they can identify right away that no these players should be all right we can have the game or not because if it just every single time a guy gets it unless it just sweeps through the locker room everybody gets it and then it's no longer an issue but There are some aspects of this that aren't tenable. You can't just shut it down every time Javante Green gets it and ten guys go into isolation. It just isn't going to work.
0: Well, that's my point, too, on why I agree with you guys. Like, okay, you shut down the season for a quick two weeks and hope that this all passes, but, like, maybe that's fine for the teams that are actually affected, but what happens the next time there's an outbreak – And you know what's going to happen beyond that two weeks. Like, so what? Every time a few teams get affected, you have to shut down for two weeks every single time. It's just, we're going to be dealing with this all season. So it's just like, I don't, I also don't understand the logic of wanting to shut it down. Like, like you're going to get over this. I mean, (laughs) we can't trust these guys clearly to just lay low for two weeks to begin with. So, I mean... At least if they're with their team and like playing games often for those two weeks like there's going to be some regiment and routine there right so um
2: there's also the element of the vaccine i mean and that that's the whole variable kind of overall sports right now and we just don't know yet when it's going to be available there's been all this talk whether the league's going to require it which i think is a a dicey situation um so it'll be interesting to see if and when the virus becomes or the vaccine becomes available if it is before the end of the season um, that'll be something worth that, uh, you know, that'll be interesting to see how that goes, but it's just, that's a whole nother conversation. And, yeah.
0: and it, it really is too, because I mean, obviously you don't want to see these players or these professional athletes, like jump the line, right. Of
2: right. And you know, care should.
0: workers or people who like are on the front lines and need these viruses. But I mean, I don't know if you guys have been reading about how many viruses in states are just being wasted because these states. Vaccines. yes. Yeah, sorry. Um, how many vaccines are just going to waste because people aren't stepping up to get them who are eligible right now. So it's like right. stuff like that. I see no issue with vaccinating the professional athletes in that instance, or like just widening the parameters to like get these viruses some use. It just, it's crazy that they're going to waste. So, I mean, yeah. it, no, it's it, just it, such it. a mess. I can't wait for this stuff to be over and that like for us to be talking about real basketball games again. <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, it stinks talking about, but again, all you can do is sort of hope that it's we don't really have to worry about it or talk about it as much uh, by the end of the season, but remains to be seen.
0: Yeah, and I mean, this is a good way to transition into like the around the NBA stuff, I guess, but just like the amount of time I spent today looking, going down just this absolute rabbit hole. Of videos of just Twitter detectives trying to find out what Kyrie Irving was up to this weekend. Yeah. I mean, there. so you have reports of him partying up with Drake in Toronto. It's looking like he was really just at his, his sister's 30th birthday party back home. But um, that's some interesting stuff that's going on. It really looks like Kyrie was just at a legitimate family birthday party and based on the Snapchat chats. I mean, it looked fun. It didn't look like what James Harden has been up to in the last few weeks, but the fact that it's like breaking news and that we're dissecting into video being reviewed of and investigated about Kyrie with his family at a party. It's just,
2: especially when I think, you know, we got to be careful of, of going after those, those type of things, because I bet a lot of players in the NBA have gone to similar things, a lot of athletes in general. And if you're going to criticize Kyrie Irving, you probably could criticize 80% of the players. That's not to say 80% of players in the NBA have, you know, been doing irresponsible things, but it's just, I don't know. I don't want to zero in on Kyrie Irving for something that I think probably a lot of guys have been doing. So that's where I'm at. As far as uh, my thing for going around the league uh, that I wanted to highlight, uh, Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier off to great starts with the Hornets. Uh, Hornets have won four games in a row. I think they're six and five now, uh, currently in sixth place in Eastern Conference. And Hayward leads the team with 22 and a half points per game, also has five rebounds, four assists. Uh, clearly that preseason you know, finger injury wasn't a big deal. And Rozier also is doing well, averaging 19 and a half points, three rebounds, uh, almost three assists. And Just the overall takeaway I have is, and it's early, right? It's only been, what, 11 games for them. Um, And we can debate whether or not it was a, quote, loser move for Hayward to leave the Celtics for a perpetually mediocre team or or worse than that team in the Hornets. But him and Rozier are playing well together. It looks like the Hornets got some good young talent going on. And uh, I think it just – I've watched a couple of these games and he seems to be playing more free. Uh, It's, you know, it looks like he's been waiting to sort of reclaim that – That top dog role in an offense Uh, and he looks better or as good if not better than he had at any point with the Celtics and I just think it's looking like he kind of made a good move for himself it ultimately hurt the Celtics as we talked about but uh, and I'm curious to see if that continues the way it has been because Hayward's been great Rozier's been really good and the Hornets have been better than expected
1: yeah mine for around the league is this is just a stat that my brain is still struggling to comprehend Bradley Beal has scored 40 plus points, 12 times dating back to last season. The Wizards have won one of those games, which just seems borderline impossible to do. And like three of those games were above 50, including he dropped 60 last week against the Sixers. And I love Bradley Beal. Like I just want him to go somewhere where he can actually win. Like I respect him for like wanting to ride it out and try to make DC a winner, but it's just not gonna happen we've talked about I don't really think Russ is a winning player either so I don't I'm obviously the Wizards aren't going to just like let him free and you know get him for you know below market but it's just sad to see him waste away I did think it was also really funny that after the Celtics game he said we can't guard a parked car which is ironic because he's like by far the worst defender on that team not that it's like a great defensive team but he's pretty easily the worst so yeah, Brad Beal. Just
2: want to see him thrive somewhere other than D.C. Um, real quick, another another stat about playing off what you were saying, Adam, before we get out of here to bring it back to the Celtics. Uh, if I were to ask you, where do you think Semi Ojale or Shemmy Ojale ranks in the NBA in offensive rating, uh, where would you guess? Near the top, I'm guessing. Top 10. It is top 10. It's 9 <laughs> Demi Ojale is ninth in the NBA with 119.3 uh, offensive rating now. And he is right sandwiched between Chris Middleton and Marcus All, Kyrie Irving on that list, Giannis, Jamal Murray, Jokic. Uh, however, Ketovia's cobalt Pope is on the top of the list. Campaign's also in there. Uh, Nesson.com favorite Willie Colley-Stein coming in at number three. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not sure it's the greatest indicator of anything, but nevertheless... Semi Ojale, ninth in the NBA in offensive rating. So I think we should end it on that one.
0: You really love to see that. Uh, Hopefully as the sample size grows, that will not change, but I'm not too sure about
2: that. (laughs) Yeah, me either. I'm dubious.
0: (laughs) All right. uh, So I guess we'll wrap up right there. The Celtics play Friday, maybe against the Magic. (laughs) We'll see if that happens. But until then, thanks so much for tuning in this week. Be sure to download and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating and a review should you feel so compelled. Uh, Hopefully next week we have some actual basketball to talk about. But until then, I'm Alex Francisco.
1: And I'm Dakota Randall. Take it easy, everybody. And I'm Adam. I'll see you guys
0: next week. Bye, guys.